Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. All right, today uh, we complete our sermon series um, that I focused on the subject of prayer, that I entitled Prayer Life. Everybody said Prayer Life. And I hope this series that we started two weeks ago has been a great encouragement for you. And it also inspires you and equips you to have a deeper and stronger prayer relationship with our God. Because I believe what prayer is to our spiritual life is like what our breathing is to our physical body. Amen. Without the prayer, we cannot survive. Without the prayer, our prayer life is not going to survive. So what we did for the last two weeks, uh, we decided to look at the leading biblical character of the time. We look at the uh, first week, the uh, prophet Elijah, how he prayed. We also look at last Sunday, you know, the prayer of Apostle Paul. And we ask this question, what are the lessons that we can apply to our life? What is it that we can apply to deepen and strengthen our prayer life that is in Christ? And today... We turn our hearts to our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest examples of the personal prayer that we've ever known on this planet. Now, as I begin, I want to ask you to turn your heart to the screen as you look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. And you find that Jesus Christ was having this prayer night and at a certain place when he finished and disciples came and asked Jesus Christ to, how do we pray? Think about that. I'm sure that as a Jewish man, they knew how to pray. Their life, whole, whole life has been geared to pray. But I believe their life, prayer life, has been stuck on the plateau. There was no excitement and joy. They pray out of their obligation. They pray because of the fear. If they don't pray, that God will perhaps punish them and give them the judgment. And this is his account, and I would like to visit before we turn our hearts to our passage today. Luke 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I can picture what Jesus, what disciples have that in their mind, in their mind. You know, I prayed all my life, but there was not so much of the transformation or change. But I saw Jesus Christ. When he prayed, there was a miracle happens. I saw that Jesus Christ, he felt like he was fully recovered and rejuvenated from the prayer. For Jesus Christ, the prayer is alive, not like us. That's what disciples probably have thought. And they asked Jesus Christ this question. Teach us to pray. I think that we have to be gearing our heart and preparing our heart for that question as well. Have you ever really willing to learn the prayer? You feel like you know what the prayer is because that's what you've been doing for all your life if you are Christian for all your life. Like disciples. But they wanted to experience different level of prayer life that Jesus Christ had. I hope that you feel the same desire, same craving heart that I would like to learn how that I can really pray. Answering to the question, Jesus said to them, When you pray, say like this. 
And we're going to take a look at today's passage, which is taken from Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, because those are parallel passages that you can find the Lord's Prayer. But Mark's, Matthew's version is actually can give us more details. That's why we're going to take a look at the Matthew, chapter 6, verse 5 through verse 13. Jesus answering to the disciples' question and saying this, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their rewards in full. He was criticizing all these Pharisees and Sadducees. Their prayer life wasn't, wasn't hard and geared to Jesus Christ. Their prayer life is for themselves. Can you imagine that you stand on the corner of the street, that you stand up and you pray? Why? Because you want the other people who walk by to know, oh, I can pray. I can really pray. I know how to pray. Right? And Jesus Christ says this in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In this passage, we can find how that we should pray and what we should pray. There are two points that Jesus Christ is giving us today about how we should pray. The first point is this. We pray as we make time and also place for God. Isn't that very simple? Have you been making your time and a place for God? You probably say, well, Pastor, but I've been praying all the time. I pray everywhere and anywhere. I'm not saying that is wrong. You can pray all places. You can pray everywhere and anywhere. But I'm afraid when you do that, you will not make time and you will not have a place for God. Unless you make time and place for God, you won't have any time for God. You won't have any place for God. Can I get an amen on that? Make sure to set aside your time. Make sure to set aside for a special place. What is your special place for your prayer? When is your special time that you kneel down, that you can have this full communion with God and only Him and you. If you were to ask me, where's my place? My place is in shower booth. Okay? Because I, I no longer have the luxury of really enjoying my time in the morning with God. Why? Because of my daughter. She's, a, she's, she's my wake-up call. When she cries and I wake up, without even thinking, I just rush into her room and I grab her, put her into the changing table and I change her diaper or if Mia's doing that I go rush into the kitchen and make the formula for her that's not it you gotta really entertain her from then right because she's not going to go to sleep immediately after so ever since I became a father I no longer have the luxury of having my own time with God so my always first stop my quiet time that nobody ever interrupt me as when I walk into the bathroom when I have this little tiny shower booth. You run this water on, right? And of course, you're naked. I feel like I was walking in the, uh, you know, the Garden of Eden. Being like Eden, there was just such a, you know, the rains of Holy Spirit pouring on me. And I get to myself just meditate on the Word of God. You know, and going over my sermon, and I get to connect with God. It doesn't have to be the fancy place. It doesn't have to be your like, special time. Make time 
and make a place for God. Otherwise, you won't have time. You won't have any place for God. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, Jesus Christ continues on his teaching. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think that they will be heard. They will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ says, Father knows before even we ask him, before even that you have all your supplication, that you want it to be heard, coming out of your mouth, God knows. God knows. So do not mumble. Do not bubble. This is a second lesson on how we should pray. Pray like you really mean it. Everybody says, pray like you really mean it. Cut to the chase. Get to the point. Simple it is. It doesn't require all your fancy and great vocabulary. It doesn't require all your eloquent words when you pray. And some of you probably think the longer that I pray, the more powerful my prayer is. That is not true. The length of prayer doesn't matter. What does matter is your heart. Just be you when you pray. When you pray every single word, when you begin your prayer like, Our Father, meditate on those two words. Our Father. All this great mystery from the mercy and grace and love that God has poured out to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Pray like you really mean it. I came across this story from the, one of the pastors that I really admire. I'm not going to reveal his name. Um, and he was making a mistake when he prayed to the congregation. Um, what happened was, he was actually doing the dedication the way I did to Jada. And it was toward the end of dedication that he hold her to the sky, and it was a time for the blessing for that dedication. And this is how he said, Lord, bless this food that we are about to receive. <laughs> real. This is just the real thing. He felt really embarrassed. I mean, isn't that sometimes true? I really reflect on my life. As a pastor, walk up here on Alta, and give the prayer to our congregation. I get a chance to pray for all my congregation. I have to ask myself this question. Have I been really meaning every single word that I said to my congregation, my beloved you know, brothers and sisters in Christ? I have to say there are times when I was praying and reciting the old prayer, especially the service. Halfway through, I was thinking the next order of the service. When you pray, you have to pray like you mean it. When you pray, cut to the chase and get to the point. Now, what are the points that Jesus Christ was telling us and teaching us to do when we pray? That is the Lord's Prayer. Now, Lord's Prayer is not about formula, okay? Combination of these great words, you know, all this great vocabulary, somehow God is going to hear me better. No, the Lord's Prayer is not also the script that you have to just recite, memorize, recite. I believe the Lord's, Lord's Prayer is a pattern. The pattern that God is giving to you and me. So let us take this moment to find out six patterns for the prayer. I know I don't usually give a lot of points, but I'll do today, but I'll make very brief, okay? Now, the first pattern for prayer is found on the verse 9. Everybody read uh, the yellow line there. Our Father who are in... Heaven. 
What do you see while you're just you know, reading that? Because that's Jesus Christ taught us. To, when you begin, this is how you begin to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Do you see any relationship between God and us? Do you see any horizontal and vertical relationship that Jesus Christ is teaching us? Let me just even say the phrase, Our Father in heaven. It's not my Father. It is our Father. And Father in original language is called what? Daddy. Abba. That means we as one body of Christ, it is horizontal relationship between God and our daddy. And he is not, he's not just our father, but he also from heaven. The first point that we have to be mindful when we pray is this, connect with God relationally. The way you view God is very important because the way you view God will determine and dedicate, even dictate, the way you pray. Let me say one more time. The way you view God, your point view of God, will determine and dedicate the way you pray. If you have this understanding and view of God, that He's always far, far from, He's just sovereign and almighty, but He's not close to you, your prayer life is what? More out of obligation, out of fear. You try to find this right combination of words to please Him. What is the truth of our relationship? With our Father God. The Bible says it is through our Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ won this relationship that was broken before. He gained, regained this relationship between us and Him. So, as a rightful heir, now we have become children of God. Amen. Now we become a son and daughter to our Father God. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says this way. The spirit that you receive does not make you slave. In other words, when you pray, you don't pray like you're slave. What are the nature of being slave? Always be passive, right? Right? You do it out of your obligation. There's not much of joy. You do it because you have to do. The Bible says this. Spirit you receive brought about your adoption. I like this word adoption. Because that means we were... We belong to God before, right? Because God created us. We were initially, originally son and daughter of God. But because of our sin, that sonship has been broken. That relationship has been broken. But he was willing to adapt you again through our Lord Jesus Christ. Church sonship. And by him, we cry. Think about this gratefulness and joy. We're not just saying and praying. We cry, Abba, Father. That was the first point. Have you been connecting with God relationally? Or your prayer life is just out of your duty, out of your obligation? When I realized I am an official rifle heir of God, I'm a child of God, the way I pray is different. It's no longer out of my duty. It's no longer out of my obligation. It is to give our God very best. It is my privilege. It is my opportunity to get to our Lord Jesus Christ, to our Father God, to our Holy Spirit. The great example that I have is, of course, from my daughter Grace. Nine months ago, God has blessed us in my family through this greatest blessings that have ever happened in my life. About a month ago, oh, I have to say it was great joy and delight experience and full of laughter, but a lot of sleepless night, right? A lot of painful arms. You gotta really do a lot of push-ups to be able to take care of your kid. I didn't know baby was that heavy. And 
your painful lower back, and you no longer have peaceful supper and dinner anymore with your wife, right? But I have to say, it's such a great blessing that happened in my life. And about a month ago, she said a very her first words. You know what that is? Amma. You know any? You know what that means? Mommy in Korean. Imagine that. And about a week after, she said, Appa. Do you know that meaning? <laughs> that means daddy in Korean. When she, when she said that to me, when I heard it for the first time, when she addressed me with the proper relationship, you had no idea how joyful, how glorious I was. I said, okay, I'm daddy, I'm your daddy, I'm your daddy. Like this little crazy man. And if I were to be that joyful by being addressed through my proper relationship and title, how much more our Father God. Amen. When we said and address our God with the right relationship, Abba, Father. So when you pray, when beginning of your prayer, make sure that you pray like you're really meaning. Make sure that you pray relationally. And it follows along. This, the, the verse 9 says this, Hallowed be your name. Everybody says, Hallowed be your name. What that word, hallowed? Have you ever said that outside of church? No, that's a church word. Hallowed, meaning holy is your name, God. What does a holy mean? Holy means set apart, set aside, special, right? That's what he says. Holy is our God's name. Whenever I think of that word holy, it reminds me of this Old Testament Bible, which is taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. You see there is a picture, the depiction of God. God was sitting on this throne, and his throne and his trail is just filled in the kingdom. And there are angels who have six wings, and two wings cover their faces, the other two wings cover their feet, because they don't dare to look at him directly. And this is what they said. Holy, 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 almighty. Whole earth is filled with glory. My second point is this. Proclaim the greatness and goodness of God. Everybody says, proclaim the goodness and greatness of God. When you establish your relationship through the prayer, you have to begin your prayer by acknowledging all the goodness and gracious and greatness that God has done in your life. Think about today. God rose the sun, right? God rose the sun, whether or not you're righteous or unrighteous. God protected you from point A, your home, to point B here on your way where you're driving, whether or not you're forgivable or unforgivable. God has provided you through your family, a job, and roof over your head, whether you deserve or you don't deserve. If God, that is how God works, I think we have to mimic Him. We have to follow in a sense. That's how we should pray in our lives. But that was the second point. Proclaim the greatness and goodness of God. That leads us to the following verse, verse 10. Jesus Christ says this, Your kingdom come, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is tough one. I don't get a lot of uh, agreement and amen on this. I didn't, I didn't mean that you have to say amen to me. 
But this is the top one. Why? Because this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus Christ is teaching us. You have to pray for what? You have to pray for the kingdom as in the first. You have to submit your will over God's will. Before you say anything, before you give up, before you raise all your agenda, make sure that you throw all the kingdom agenda first. Isn't that difficult? Right? Because that's not how we were born. We were born with the selfishness. We're born with the self-centered heart. It's about me. You see, Jada's agree. It's about me and me and me and me. But Jesus Christ is teaching us, when you pray, you have to put God at your priority. You have to pray for kingdom agenda first. So what is the kingdom agenda? Read the Bible that you find a lot of kingdom agendas, right? Matthew chapter 28. Go out and make a disciples of all nations. So I guess we have to pray for others. Pray for all those who are unchurched and those who haven't received Jesus Christ as our Savior. How about um, Matthew 22. We have to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, pray for neighbors, for this, you know, not favorable neighbors. We pray for others. And what are the kingdom agenda? Found in the Matthew 25, we have to give our help to those who are in need, right? This is what Jesus Christ said. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. When I was a stranger, you invite me in. When I was sick, that you take care of me. When I was in prison, that you visit me. And we pray for all those who are in need. Pray for immigration. Pray for our brothers and sisters, that those who are sick. Pray for others first. And Jesus continues our teaching in verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. A lot of people understand this is, you know what? Now, this is the time that we pray for our God. I did, I did everything to you, Lord. This is my turn. I'll throw all the things that I need. I think, though, in order for us to understand um, clearly and correctly, we have to study the what this bread referencing. It's not about that we pray for our daily need only. I think the point of this is this. We pray for total dependence on God. Everybody says, total dependence on on God. I think about that bread, daily bread, that is referencing, is that referencing to the book of Exodus? Remember the story? When people, Israel people were taken out of captivity, they were led to the wilderness and they were staying and wandering there for how many years? 40 years. Okay? And they're thirsty, they're hungry when they cry out to God with God's mercy and grace. God, send down what? Manna. Many old people probably think the manna is kind of bread. The bread that God just sent out. No, it wasn't bread. It's more of seed. Bible said, book of uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 31, it was more of seed, but when you make that out of, a seed out of bread, it tastes more like um, you know, waffle with a taste of honey. Okay? And God gave them every day with the one condition. What was the condition? You don't step up for the tomorrow. You take whatever that you need just for today. And what did the Israelites do? They did what you and I would do if we were in that circumstance, right? Oh, I need to stock up some of manna just to protect my family. Who knows what God is going to say? I need to store up. And what happened next today? 
those manna they've been saving up got rotten and spoiled. I believe there's a lesson that God was telling the Israel people that if you wanted to be crossing the you know, river and entering into the promised land, you have to learn to trust me. You have to learn to put your total dependence on God every day. A lot of people, I believe, they live on their past. A lot of people, they live on their past blessings. A lot of people, they lived on their past yesterday's manner. What do I mean by that? Oh, I've got this, you know, saving in my account. I've got this education. I've got my job. I've got all this that I worked on. What happened is that's the manner. Every day that is going to be spoiled and rotten. You ever experienced? You save up a lot. Just one incident. One thing's happened that all just gone and disappeared. I've experienced that. I was pursuing my life, and all it takes is one moment. God struck me with my help. I gave up everything. What God is telling us, give us our daily and the daily bread, is asking you and me to pray every day is a new day. When you get up and pray, pray like your life is reset. You are starting from the zero ground. You're starting from the nothing. That you ask for the prayer as you totally depend upon God. And it leads us to the next verse, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay, and toward the end. Okay? Now, the point five is this. You have to pray for the repentance and reconciliation. Now, we've got to really pray for the reconciliation and repentance in our lives. There are so many baggages. One of the pastors uses our sin that is actually our baggage. Stones, so heavy stones that we always carry. Unless you dump that out, you're going to be eventually ground because of your sin. God is asking you, pray for the repentance and pray for reconciliation. In other words, God is telling you, you have to realign your life to my will and my promise. Have you been doing that? Have you been realizing through the prayer that you realign your life to God? That lead us to last point. How many of you are happy with our getting to the last point? Amen? The last one is this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think there is so important meaning that is embedded here that Jesus Christ was teaching us to pray very last, last for this point. That we have to pray for the strength when facing temptation. Lead us not into temptation, as if God is the one who tempted us. But James chapter 1 that we learned yesterday from our men's group clearly says God doesn't tempt. Amen? And also 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, when we're tempted, in the meantime, God also gives us a way out. God gives us an exit. God gives us escape. The moment that we were tempted... I know there's so many temptations that we are, we're living in, right? It's bombarded with all the temptations. So make sure you finish your prayer by asking God for strength, daily strength, especially as you are going through all different temptations. Let me ask this question. I'm going to ask, take this moment to ask yourself this question. Are these all the six lists and points that Jesus Christ taught us to pray are these the way that you've been praying for? Or 
is there some way that you need to really work on and work on more? I'm going to challenge you today as we are on this Palm Sunday, as we commemorate this great triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ, also getting into this week of Holy Week and also Passion Week, I'll invite you to reflect on and contemplate your prayer life. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand as you're able. And I'm going to ask you to recite the Lord's Prayer as you remember all the points and lessons that were given as if that we are really praying to God. Can we do that? Let's recite our Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespasses against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, glory forever. Amen.